Glad you're here today. Good morning. Good morning. And uh, yeah, my name's Chris, and uh, I do recovery things around here. You should say hi, Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi, Chris. Very good. That's fine. I feel better. I feel at home. And uh, so, Ryan, why don't you get us started with some prayer here, would you? Pray with me. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who gives us life, who sustains us and brings us to this very moment. We ask you, Father, to be with us, to open our hearts, to open our eyes, and to open our mouths. We thank you very much for who you are, who you've made us to be, and for everything that you've done. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do rolling communal midrash, as Daryl told us before. And, uh, you know, what the rolling means is we can go from topic to topic if we care to. We don't have to stick to this. We'll just kind of go and see where this goes, right? Another part of the rolling is that we've been discussing the same scripture all week in different different venues. We started Tuesday at the pastor's Bible study, and uh, then we did it Wednesday at Haven for Hope, and here we're doing it again. And uh, so what we're going to do is we're actually going to read this document out loud. And if you don't have one, hold up your hands high, and uh, I will hand you one. We're going to read this paragraph by paragraph, and by we, I mean you. And uh, I'm going to ask for volunteers, and whoever would like to uh, start reading, can start reading it. And then uh, if you have something you want to share, you have a comment, you have a question, uh, please feel free to bring it. And uh, a couple things we've learned in the recovery movement about how to best operate inside a group discussion like this or a rolling communal midrash like this. Um, are the following. One, it's always good to just say your first name before you get started. That way we can get to know you better before you read, Hi, my name's Chris. And then we'll probably all say, Hi, Chris. All right? And uh, then secondly, when it's time to discuss or it's time to share, uh, we like to, to do this, to share our experience, our strength, and our hope, what our take on it is, uh, not necessarily uh, lecturing everybody, but kind of, sharing with what this means to us. And the way we also like to do it is to not argue. (laughs) It's always a good thing. So uh, what we do is we we share what we think and what we have to say, but but we don't come against who just said something. And so we call that cross-talking. We try not to do that. And and this might stir us up a little bit, what we're discussing today. And uh, so let's not take it out on each other. You can kind of take it out on me and Daryl and Ryan. Yes. And uh, and we'll go from there. So um, you can absolutely argue with us, absolutely. But let's not argue with each other. So uh, oh, and also this, uh, you know, nobody's listening after two or three minutes. So uh, we might keep, keep our comments uh, two or three minutes. Yeah. And uh, and so if I tap you on the shoulder and say, okay, that's enough. Uh, it's nothing personal. It's just that's enough. All right. So. You've personally gone on too long, right? Yeah. So uh, with that, shall we start? Yes. Brace yourselves. This is going to get even weirder. Um, I'm going to have Coke bring up some lights in the back so we can read, okay? So now hopefully we can see a little bit better. All right. Um, I promise this is the end of the weirdness. You now have. Yes. It's going to get so much better. Don't worry. All right, Chris. Find us a start. All right. Starter. Who'd like to be our first volunteer? And uh, who'd like to read first? We're going to put the scripture up, too. All right. So why don't you read right. the scripture? My name is Debbie, and I'm not an alcoholic. And I okay. do not understand what we're doing. But You don't I'm... have to stand. You can sit. 
You don't need to boss me around. Your mother is right there, and I will send you to your room. I have to read all that? It's right here on the document. Okay. Or to put it another way, you are God's house. Using the gift God gave me as a good architect. I designed blueprints. Apollos is putting up the walls. Let each carpenter who comes to the job on the job take care to build on the foundation. Remember, there is only one foundation, the one already laid, Jesus Christ. Take particular care in picking out your building materials, whether gold, silver, gemstones, wood, hay, or straw. Eventually, there's going to be an inspection. If you use cheap or inferior materials, you'll be found out. The inspection will be thorough and rigorous. You won't get by with a thing. If your work passes inspection, fine. If it doesn't, your part of the building will be torn out and started over. But you won't be torn out. You'll survive. Oh, we're still going. You realize, don't you, that you are the temple of God and God himself is present in you? No one will get by with vandalizing God's temple. You can be sure of that. God's temple is sacred, and you, remember, are the temple. So there is no reason for anyone to boast in human leaders. You already have it all. So whether it is Paul, Apollo, Cephas, the world, life or death, the present or the future, it all belongs to you. You are of Christ, and Christ is of God. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 17, 21 through 23. The end. Thank you for having Amen. me. Had a really nice time. It was a weird party. Well, I was not signing up for that. Okay. That I'd like to share. Uh, well, it kind of freaked me out that it says, if your, let's see, if your work passes inspection, fine. If it doesn't, your part of the building will be torn out and started over. It feels kind of harsh. But you won't be torn out. You'll survive. That is good news. It's also good news for everyone that you don't have to come up and, and make your reading at the offering table like Debbie did. Maybe I wanted you, to show off how small my bottom are. is, Daryl. You don't know. Right. Please give Mike back to Chris. Whatever. <laughs> Let's keep rolling. She did great. Let's have a hand for Debbie. Thanks for starting us off. Let's dive in. All right, who'd like the rest of the uh, who'd like to read the rest of this page out loud? Who wants to read? Who wants to read? Who wants to? Read? Randy. The rest of the page. Yeah, if you want to read, also, uh, and you know you want to read going forward, why don't you move up a little closer, and that way uh, uh, it'll be a little easier. Go ahead, Randy. Test. My name is Randy. Hi, Randy. And I am an addict. Oh, okay. Way to go, Randy. Thank you. The third chapter of 1 Corinthians starts with the Apostle Paul writing his friends in Corinth and telling them that they're being knuckleheads. To be specific, he calls them mere infants. He tells them that he gave them milk because they weren't ready for solid food yet. Why does he write this? Because the Corinthians have been arguing about their favorites. Paul and his friends have been traveling around, stopping in cities like Corinth and telling people about Jesus. Over time, the people of Corinth began to have favorites. Some preferred Paul's teaching, while others preferred the teachings of Apollos or Cephas, Peter. By the time Paul writes his first letter to the Corinthians, their fondness for their favorite teacher had become so intense that they were fighting about it. This makes Paul mental. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? 1 Corinthians 3, 4. While the obvious answer to Paul's question is, um, yes, we are human beings, 
He is asking a bigger question. He's calling them to transcend the usual petty ways we humans divide ourselves. All right, Randy, you have anything you'd like to comment? or? You know, I do. Um, and it comes from the very last part that I read. He's calling us to transcend the usual petty ways we humans divide ourselves. You know, I don't know if that was something that I was taught growing up, but there were obviously divisions. And for me, that was, um, I was intimidated by wealthy, rich people that I wasn't on the same level as them. And as I learned in these groups with you guys that I don't think that God um, wants me to think that way. I am the same as everybody else. Um, I don't know why, and this is just something I've learned in recovery, y'all, but I don't know why for my whole life I judge my insides by everybody else's outsides. And I've come to learn that we all struggle with things, and God wants to meet us right there and help us with those things. So that's all I got. Thanks, y'all. Thank you, Randy. Thank you, Randy. Thank you, yeah. There you go. We like to say in recovery, Yale or jail, right? Yale or jail. It's an equal opportunity destroyer addiction and alcoholism. Yeah. All right, next. Uh, Who'd like to read next? Comment. My wife pointed out. Um, what, what's your name, sir? I'm, I'm Kelly. Hi, Hi Kelly. Kelly. Hello, sir. By the time Paul writes the first level, uh, letter to the Corinthians, their fondness for their favorite teacher had become so intense that they were fighting about it. This makes Paul mental. I think there's some reference to uh, Crocker there. <laughs> okay. Very good. I can I can deal with that. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Kelly. All right. Who'd like Nick? to read? Uh, Nick, you want to read? Please. I, uh, I, you know, we start out at the top of the page. My name's Nick. Hi, Nick. Hi. Uh, we start out at the top of the page, and we're talking about how we are of God, and we are of Jesus, and Jesus is of God. And then at the bottom, really addressing the same subject, we talk about the petty ways that humans divide themselves. And uh, I think that illusion of separation, that there's more than one thing. I mean, if we are of God and of Christ and we are all of each other, how, that, that is something really deep to ponder and to keep in mind that they're, they're, separation is an illusion, you know. And, yeah. and loneliness is forgetting God. That's, that's separation. When we're together, when we're united, it, it all starts in our soul and in our heart and in our minds. And if we can just keep coming back to that, then we never lose God. God never loses us. But when we buy into that illusion of separation, bad, bad things happen. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. I'd like to uh, mention something as well. Most of y'all, a lot of y'all know me. I'm Michael. Hi, Michael. Um, you know, I don't know if we're out of context at this point, but I think we we all have the opportunity to follow different teachers. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that because I follow a teacher, and let's say for today's conversation it's Daryl versus David over in the big sanctuary, that doesn't make it wrong. Or if I follow a teacher from another church, I don't know that that necessarily makes it wrong if we're all striving to get to the same place. 
So, like I say, I don't know if I'm out of context here, but the the part that we we've read so far, for me, is kind of a negative com- comment when I look at it as possibly a positive comment. Amen. You may even follow an Orthodox Jewish rabbi, like Michael Dino does. Who would like to read next? Chris has got you. Are you going to read? Hi, I'm Nora, and I. Hi, Nora. Is this? I just have a comment about. Right there. Okay. The first page, where it says, uh, "Back to the one." He's calling them to transcend the usual petty ways we humans divide ourselves. So, as a man thinketh, so he is, and it is I divide myself. So I make the choice to divide. Amen. Thank you. Nora. Brooks, ready? Oh, you got a comment? Okay. We got a, we got a reader when, we're, when we get there. Uh, hi, my name's John. Thank you, Nora. It's good hi, to John. follow on with you on that. Hi, John. Hi. Uh, I was, this, the, the little bit about uh, inspection will be thorough and rigorous. You won't get by with the thing. Uh, if your work passes inspection, fine. If it doesn't, your part is building. Uh, we'll be torn out and started over. I was thinking about uh, Cain and Abel. Uh, when uh, Abel offered his gift to, 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 to God, it was accepted. And, and when Cain's was offered, it was rejected. And it was because, not because of the gift, because of the attitude. And I think, Nora, that's kind of what I was thinking about on the same line as what you were thinking, that you know, it's, it's internal from our motivations, what we're offering up. And God's going to see it as uh, valid or invalid. And he's going to let us know. Yeah. Thank you. I like that, John. All right. Let's, um, we have a reader right there. All right, Brooke. Hi, I'm Brooke. Hi, Brooke. Hi, Brooke. Hi. In Paul's day, people tended to make celebrities out of their leaders. They divided into groups and developed allegiances and then argued over whose leader was better and whose leader was a false prophet or heretic. The folks in Corinth have taken something good, different teachers coming to their city to help them better understand the way of Jesus And they've turned it into a source of division, quarreling, and jealousy. Paul's response? My job was to plant the seed, and Apollo's was was called to water it. Any growth that comes from God. So the ones who water and plant have nothing to brag about. 1 Corinthians 3, 6. Keep going? Sure. Paul calls them out of their division and quarreling to show them how God uses lots of different people to do lots of, of different things to help us grow and mature. Paul then launches into a long bit about building the foundation, Jesus Christ, and that the quality of the building materials with which we build will be revealed. He also tells the Corinthians that they are God's temple. Go ahead and read the side note, and then we'll okay. stop there. Side note. Have you ever heard someone say, my body is a temple? Well, this is awkward. Well, this is awkward, but no. The yous in the New Testament are plural. Paul wasn't saying, you are God's temple to each individual person. He's talking to the whole group. And he's saying, y'all are God's temple. All right. Anything you want to share, Brooke? Um, I think what strikes me is that we talk a lot about giftings within our church. And that giftings might not necessarily be standing on a stage and preaching. But giftings can look a lot of different ways. And so, um, you know, when you talk about a leader, there can be different ways that people lead. I mean, that can be through music, that can be through gardening, that can be through art, that can be through speaking. So I think making sure that we are all using those giftings as leaders in different ways, too. Amen. Thank you. Anybody else want to jump in before we keep reading? 
right. Who wants to read next? I'm going to start calling on worship team people if you don't find somebody. Yeah, here we go. Jennifer. You got it. Hello, I'm Jennifer. This is going quite well, by the way, I think. As Paul begins to wrap up, he reminds his friends, so there is no reason for anyone to boast in human leaders, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 21, and then delivers this epic crescendo. You already have it all. So whether it is Paul, Apollos, Cephas, the world, life or death, the present or the future, it all belongs to you. You are of Christ and Christ is of God. 1 Corinthians 3:22 through 23. Yes, Paul makes the point he has been making all along. God uses lots of different people to teach. So claim them all. Don't pick your favorite and cut yourself off from the others. You'll know the good and true teaching because like good building materials, they will endure and remain. Take in all the teaching and know that the hay wood and straw will be burned off by life receive the good and true regardless of where it comes from as a gift from god to help you grow keep going just a little bit further please. okay but paul doesn't stop there he's just getting warmed up he he doesn't just call them to receive the good and true from the various teachers he says whether it is paul apollos or cephas the world life or death, the present or the future, it all belongs to you. Mike Trox. <laughs> Did you hear me? It all belongs to you. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Do you have anything you want to share, Jennifer? Oh. Um... I think that it's real easy for us to get caught up in what we're involved with in our own lives and to forget this. It happens to me all the time. So it's good to be reminded. Thank you. I'm Chris. I found something here in that uh, last paragraph on the previous page. And uh, where it talks about uh, God uses lots of people to teach, so claim them all. And uh, when I first uh, really got involved in church life, after I sobered up 17 years ago, uh, I also started reading apologetics website or websites online, right? Well, you're, and, a, real, uh, you're a real blast. Yeah, I was really into it. And, uh, but I noticed something after starting to look at those things. Uh, like I would Google my pastor's name, and the first 100 entries uh, were people ripping him, Right. And, uh, and you, you know, you find that now. I mean, you know, you Google some famous religious guy's name, and usually the first uh, 20 hits on Google are somebody just ripping them, and there's all these videos of negativity and what have you. So I kind of came up with a discernometer for myself for discernment regarding this. If it smells of love, I might consider it. If it doesn't smell of love, I kind of just, let me leave that on the side. You know, they might be right, but for now, I'm just going to leave that on the side. And that, that served me well for a long time. So uh, it's not, I don't think what, what uh, we're saying here is that, oh, just break, take it all in, whatever it is, you know, and just accept it blindly. Uh, 
I think we're called to use discernment. And also to see, you know, look, by, by their fruits you shall know them, sort of, right? Is that fair? Sure. And uh, where it talks about, look, if, if, if it's not good building material, it's going to go away. I mean, it's going to burn up. So that's all I have. Thank you. I think Brent has something. Hi, I'm Brent. Hi, Brent. Um, <laughs> so uh, two, two points. One was that um, when they compare um, the, the people of, of these churches to highlighting different leaders, um, I, it reminded me of, of Israel wanting to elect a king. Um, that God was already the, the focal point, but, but the people demanded a leader. Um, and from there, things kind of went downhill. So... Uh, I don't think that, that the followers of, of Christ were the first to um, put some idol in the way of God. Um, the second point is that uh, the, I like the side note um, earlier from, from saying that, that so often I think the, some people claim that we're the I generation um, and that it's about my body as a temple, but this text says that we are part of the temple, um, that we're part of the body. And so in the, the first passage that we read where it says, um, you know, you won't get by if it's, if it's not good, it gets torn because you, you aren't good enough or you didn't do it properly, but it's more because your aspect of the temple affects the structural integrity of the entire temple, if you're a weak point, we need to start over. Because if we don't start over, the whole body is going to suffer for it. Um, and I, I, think that's, I think that's good news because it says that you're so significant to the body that if we don't, if we don't get this right, everybody else is going to feel it. But conversely, um, if, you are, or if you're building with the right stuff, everybody is going to be strengthened by it. Um, so, so God, I think he does this a lot throughout our lives where he says, um, you know what, you're not quite on the right track, but we'll, we'll tear it down. And those are usually the low points, right, where we get torn down. But God immediately shows up and builds us back up. Yeah. And I think it's for the betterment of ourselves and the betterment of the body. Thank you. Your body is a temple, by the way. <laughs> um, okay. Go ahead. Uh, my name is Michael. Um, and I've got a, I guess a statement and then a question to the leaders. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of correlation to what we have going on at New Heights right now and what I'm reading. And so um, I was wondering if that was kind of the evolution of picking these passages. Um, it's a great, fair question. I'm, I'm actually going to chalk that one up to the Holy Spirit. David Wignitsky, our senior pastor here at Alamo Heights, um, set up the summer series on First Corinthians, uh, I think in February, um, before we knew any of this was going to happen. And so, um, and this is just the text for this week as, as has been outlined for months. So I claim no credit, but I, I'm with you. I have, as we have studied and prepared uh, in the last couple of weeks, it's definitely been on the forefront of my mind that we're, we as a congregation are faced kind of maybe um, with this same question of saying, of allowing ourselves to be divided along um, what Nick called imaginary lines, a line, some kind of line behind David or behind Michael um, or however we see that to be. And, yeah, this speaks to it. And it's unsettling. Thank you. Jordan's got something. Mic her up. 
Okay. No. No. Um, but I, when I read this, I was thinking um, the part on page page two at the top when it says, in Paul's days, people tended to make celebrities out of their leaders, and they divided into groups, developed allegiances, and then argued over whose leader was better or whose leader was a false pro- prophet or heretic. And I was thinking, if this does this apply outside of the church, like to politics, um, or maybe like politics, not like just the presidential election, but like politics in general in all of our lives, because it's so it's so easy to be on your best behavior at church. Like, yes, we we love the sanctuary, and you know, but when you're outside of church and you're like, it's you know, you're not as much on your best behavior. And whether you're like, maybe you're a Republican and you're like, Democrats are stupid or whatever, or back and forth, or you're a Democrat and you think Republicans are awful, or, and you sit there and you think, oh, they're just so wrong, they're just so wrong, or he's so wrong, or I can't believe he said that, he's an awful person, or she's not smart enough, or whatever, whichever side you're on, and you just sit there and you just develop like whatever side you're on, you just get more and more separated like our whole and it's just funny this whole idea it's like we can do that in a church like it's hard but can we do that as a society because it's so against our norm you know we're supposed i mean celebrities um people of wealth are are much better and more important than poor people or homeless people or people who aren't leaders at all i mean that's what our society says yeah basically so Thank you. That's all I had to say. I think, I think you are right that Paul is definitely taking us down that road, maybe not <clears throat> to specific politics for us because that's not something that he knew, but definitely Paul's asking us to say, can you embrace truth no matter where you find it? Because he adds all these things at the end. But we're, if I can defer talking about that a little bit until we finish reading. And Nick, what, you got something? One small comment. The first one was, was about, about miracles. About miracles, mm-hmm. um, you and I had an interesting conversation during the week, and here you are speaking. I never bring my glasses to church. Why would I bring my glasses? Because we never read. But today I brought them, and we're reading. Uh, it's it's it's, it's yeah. a miracle. But if we look for miracles, they're everywhere. All we right. Find what we look for. The other thing, the other little point I'm going to make really quickly is, in my ponderings and in considering God. Uh, two things. Number one, God only knows two things, creation and recycling. They're both great gifts, and the greatest gift is probably recycling us, breaking us down so we can be built up. I can dig it. Thanks, man. Pamela's going to read. Pamela's going to keep reading for us. Okay. Hi, I'm Pamela. Hi, Pamela. All right. Um, Paul starts with the Corinthians' petty jealousies and rivalries, grabs them by the shoulders, and essentially says, you're missing it. All of these teachers are gifts from God to help you grow, so don't cut yourself off from what they have to give you by picking favorites and only listening to the one you follow. You're not receiving all God has for you. Claim it all. It all belongs to y'all. Wherever you find truth, not just through teachers, but whatever helps you grow, however your mind and heart are open to what God is doing in the world, whatever ways, people, or events God uses to teach you truth, affirm it. Claim it. Own it. It's all yours. Paul starts by saying, receive from the teachers, then expands to the world, then it includes being alive or being dead, and then throws in everything that is and everything that will be. It all belongs to y'all. After saying it all belongs to y'all, 
Paul grounds the whole thing in Christ. He wants his friends in Corinth to see that Christ is bigger than any one teacher, bigger than any one set of ideas, bigger than life or death or the present or the future. He wants them to receive and affirm truth wherever they find it, to receive it as the good gift it is from God, the source of all things. Coming forward from the first century, what about us? What would Paul have us learn from all of this? It seems pretty clear that Paul wanted his friends to be free. He wanted them to become the kind of people that embrace the truth wherever they find it. It also seems clear that freedom works in many ways. We are free to affirm truth wherever we find it, and we're also free to deny that which needs to be denied. If it's wrong, unjust, twisted, we call it whatever it is, even if it is religious. Some things that are labeled as Christian aren't true, and some things that aren't labeled Christian are true. For all of its blessings, religion also gives us a lot of categories and labels that simply aren't helpful. Our experience of Christ will consistently transcend whatever boxes we create. Like his friends in Corinth, Paul invites us to become fierce with reality, eyes wide open, affirming what should be affirmed, denying what should be denied, rooted and grounded in the Christ who keeps insisting that all things are ours. I I have a little comment about that, and uh, I think kind of building on what Brent was saying, that um, behind all of this is our union with the Holy Spirit. And I think that is something that is so easy to lose track of. And I think that's when we start dividing is when we forget we really all have the spirit in us. That's that happens to us when we accept Christ as our savior. And it, it does, we are unified in Christ. It's just a matter of how we treat each other. You know, let's, let's remember that union and that needs to be first and foremost and I of all you know I forget that all the time but if we can keep going back and keep going back the truth is we have the Holy Spirit living in us and I think that's what enables us to be different from the world and all of the petty divisions thank you Pamela hey Daryl yes when do we have the spirit in us feels like you want to answer that question no I don't go ahead um, well, okay. Um, so according to the book of Genesis, what makes us not dirt is the breath that God has breathed into us. And that word spirit, um, which in, in the Bible, we're going to hear it in one of two ways in the old Testament. We're going to hear it as the word Barach, Ruach, Ruach, there's the Hebrew, actually. Ruach, which means breath or spirit. Um, and in the Greek, we're going to hear pneuma, um, like pneumatic tools or pneumonia, those kind of things. And that also means breath or spirit that comes forward into Latin and becomes this word spire, which is where we get our word like inspire, transpire, expire, perspire, spirit. It's where we get our English word. So all of these words, ruach, pneuma, spire, they all mean spirit, but they also all mean breath. And one of the ways that we like to challenge the people that we study the Bible with is to actually go to the text. And as you read or study, um, instead of saying when you come across that word spirit, switch it in, switch out and say breath and just see what it does to you. This word spirit tends some, for some of us to kind of go into maybe Casper the Friendly Ghost kind of places and or it may, might have some religious baggage on it. 
And so one of the ways that we try to reconnect is to put breath in there, that you're people of the breath of God. Um, it's synonymous, so don't get tripped up there. Spirit and breath are the same thing. Um, but to answer Chris's question, according to Genesis 2, you, if you are alive, you have the breath or the, the ruach of God inside of you. Does that help? Is that what you wanted? Thanks, Daryl. Okay. Any other questions about what Pamela read? I know it's getting to time here, but I also know I don't want to stop anything that's going. So if you need to go pick up a kid or if you need to go or if you're just done, you think this is the worst idea ever, you can, you can get up and leave. No one's going to care. Just leave as you need to. But if you would like to stay, we're going to continue for another 10 minutes or so before we uh, pray and close. Ellen. I, just, I just wanted to point out, and I think that it spoke a little bit to what Pamela just read, um, that we really need to remember also what Chris, Chris said about when people are, or anyone, but when a teacher is saying something, if it doesn't smell of love, um, I feel like that's so, so important. Um, and if it doesn't, like, question it, because maybe it does, but we just didn't see it. And there's nothing wrong with questioning it. I just keep thinking that Amen. over and over in my mind. Thank you. You know, there was about 15, I think it was about 15 years ago, and I'm going to say a name, so don't get, don't get hung up on this, all right. But about 15 years ago, when Joel Osteen's father passed and he became the pastor of, of Lakeway and kind of started this, this huge ascent to becoming the largest church in the country, I remember seeing him interviewed, I think it was ABC, some kind of news program. You know, it was a big deal. They were interviewing the new megachurch pastor on the rise, young guy, and he'd just come out with a book, which, of course, became a bestseller. And the interviewer said, you know, I've read your whole book, and you don't even mention Jesus in this book. And you're a Christian pastor. Why don't you mention, why don't you talk anything about Jesus in your book? And he looked right at the guy without missing a beat, and he said, that's not my message. And I, you know, turned off the TV and threw a fit, you know, 15 years ago. It just bothered me. I was like, what do you mean that's not your message? You're a Christian pastor. You've got to be, if you're going to write a book, you've got to talk about Jesus. And I shut myself off to Joel Osteen. And I closed that down as if it was a place where I wasn't going to find any truth. And it's not right. I have learned, people like Chris have brought me back from that painfully and slowly, that his message was kind of before that. His message seems to be, you're loved, period. And then he'll build on that. But I, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's true, too. I agree with that, too. So it's okay if you want to write a book telling people and trying to convince people that God loves them before you even approach the subject of Jesus. That I'm okay with that and that that's truth. And I don't have to cut myself off from Joel Osteen or label him a heretic or anything like that. So anybody, any other thoughts, questions? Don't let me derail. Randy, go for it. My name's Randy. So I just want to say this, and it's probably going to make some people upset, and I'm really sorry about this, but... For my whole life, I've sat in church, and I've watched someone preach a message, and then I get to sit back and take in what I want and discard what I don't. And here today, we're in this um, rolling communal midrash, and it's kind of uncomfortable. It is, because it's like conversational, and we're getting to be a part of it, and um, I just think it's awesome. 
I really do. I thank you all for doing this. Thank you, Randy. Thoughts, questions? Jordan's got something. Give her a mic. My next thought was, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, um, I, I really liked Paul's response on page two um, at the top about, uh, it helped me at least as a teacher, um, because I'm a, oh, thanks, I'm a, a teacher that, well, and all teachers, you know, we're kind of graded on our performance, so I think probably if you're not a teacher in your job, everybody is, um, rated successfully on their performance. So it's all about results or performance or where they get into college or what are their grades or whatever, um, or test scores or whatever. Um, so I liked Paul's response because if we're all teachers or all leaders and it says my job was to plant the seed and Apollo's was to water it, any growth comes from God. So the ones who water and plant have nothing to brag about. And that was kind of like, oh, you know, humbling, but also freeing at the same time. So. Yeah. It's not, we, it's, thank you, Jordan. Great point. We need to remember that not only did Paul, he, he didn't think he was writing the New Testament at the time. He thought he was writing letters. But this is the person who wrote a majority of the New Testament and the person that wrote first about Jesus. Paul's writings were before the Gospels. So this teacher who wrote a majority of the book that we call the New Testament the library that we call the New Testament, and who wrote about Jesus before anybody else says he's just planting seeds. He takes a very humble place of authority about what he's got to teach and what he's got to say. He doesn't elevate himself up there like Jordan was talking about. I know we're running out of time. Any other thoughts, questions? Bob's got one. Uh, Daryl, I realize that it's really easy for me to discount other forms of worship or learning or teaching uh, if it doesn't match up with my experience. And part of what these verses tell us is that God is always trying to show us more of himself. Uh, I have no idea what a rolling midrash is, okay? Uh, This is certainly different than why I ordinarily come to church with the expectations that I hold. But I think that what is going on here is that Christ is trying to tell me, I'm a little bigger than you thought, Bob. Hmm. Be willing to listen to new things, maybe even embrace them. But I'm trying to move you towards greater love. And it's what you talked about, Chris. It's what you talked about. Uh, I hear that this morning. We usually come into this room and it's completely dark. There's not a lot of give and take among ourselves. I heard some great comments this morning from people. Uh, I see them more as people now. There's a greater sense of community in this. I don't know what outcome we look for individually when we come. Uh, Mine, I've come to realize, were learned when I was about four years old in a little Methodist church. And if it didn't match up to that, it was hard for me to accept. Uh, So thank you uh, this morning being uh, the vehicle of something that is a little weird. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Bob. Yeah. Let's... Let Jennifer get one more, and then I'll wrap us up. Just kind of following up on what Bob Scott said, um, I've been trying to figure out how to connect 
in this church after having been a member for a long time and traveling on Sundays. And today I feel more connected than I have in a year. So I'm just going to share that for whatever it's worth. And thanks for everyone participating. I think everyone did awesome. So whose ever idea this was, we thank, appreciate it. Thank you, Jennifer. And i got to thank you all because it all belongs to you all. But also because, you know, you would not believe how much Chris and Ryan and I uh, met and talked over the last two weeks and wrung our hands and like, oh, are they going to talk? Are they... Methodists do Methodists talk during church. Is it even allowed? Um, you know, and we just and y'all, this was awesome. Um, I hope you feel the same way. I appreciate your participation. I appreciate you taking a risk and even letting us have this space to experiment. I promise things will be back to normal next week. Dinah will be here with a a good a good sermon. Uh, we might try this a couple more times this summer. And if this interests you, I'm going to go ahead and invite the worship team back up while I'm closing. Um, Oh, we weren't going to read the last page. That was just kind of an explanation of what Rolling Communal Midrash is. But, but thank you for reminding me that it's there. Um, if this interests you, like I said, we have a back, starting back in August, um, once we get closer to the school year again, we'll have a Tuesday morning version of What is the Bible, where we do Rolling Communal Midrash with the grandmas. And the grandmas are so cool. And they're so welcoming. Anybody can come. There are some grandpas in there too, um, so don't worry. Um, anybody can come to that. It's Tuesday mornings at 9.15. Um, some of you have been in there. Wednesdays at 12.15, we're down at Haven with great people like Randy. And you can come to that too. Um, that's, you just need to tell us that you want to come to that. And then we're um, also hoping to start a Sunday night version of this in August, probably at a local favorite restaurant um, that we're working on. So, uh, <laughs> Richard's laughing at me in the back. Let's pray together, and then uh, the worship team, and I'll, I'll, we'll pray, and I'll offer a benediction. The worship team will, will uh, offer us a, a song of sending. God, we bless you, and thank you that when we step out onto the waters unsure of what you're calling us to, that you are with us, that you don't call us to a place that you haven't already been that you got here before us this morning, that you were here doing this before we even tried it. And you've been with us this whole time. We thank you that we feel that safety. And we thank you that we've gotten to wrestle with your story. And we ask that we leave here changed by that wrestling. And we go out into the world to love others. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. Thank you.